was reading an interesting uh, report because certainly international students are making a lot of headlines. Uh, we saw that they're having a hard time finding anywhere, anywhere to live that's affordable. So they are pitching tents on some school campuses. And they're also struggling to afford the uh, daily living expenses, which means then they have to turn around and rely on food banks and things like that. And that's not how it's supposed to work because when an international student comes to this country, uh, they've got to show that they can support themselves. So they have to prove that they've got $10,000 to support themselves on top of tuition fees, which are about 800 bucks a month. But when you look at the situation and the affordability crisis we're in, the costs and expenses have gone up so quickly for these students, they're now paying double the costs that the Trudeau government was advertising that they will pay because they're still using numbers from 2015. So in other words, you're an international student, you're looking to come to Canada, you go on the government website and you're like, oh, look, I, I can afford to live there, I can get a great education and it's so you know affordable. And then you get here and they're like, wait, what? How much is it? I can't afford this, which is a big problem. Talia Bronstein is Vice President of Research and Advocacy at The Daily Bread Food Bank. She joins us now. Good to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. So why look into this? Is it because you were seeing higher numbers that kind of demanded what was causing it? Or what what made you look at your, your organization look into these numbers? Well, we're seeing higher food bank visits right across the board, across the entire city. Food bank visits have gone from about 65,000 per month before the pandemic to now we're seeing around 270,000. So we've been trying to understand all sorts of different trends. That's a month, right? That's per month, exactly. And uh, we did hear from some food banks that uh, they were seeing more international students. And we don't have specific data to, to know whether they've seen a real increase or not. But with international students being in the news so much lately, we wanted to go out and ask international students directly, what has your experience been? We wanted to hear from them directly about why they're coming to a food bank and, and what their life has been like in Canada. Mm-hmm. And what are they saying? Because, you know, they come here with an expectation. It's hard It's hard to, to, to think that, that on government documentation that they're, they're so out of date with, with the realities of, of on-the-ground costs. Yeah, we definitely found students reported uh, a disconnect between sort of what they expected the cost of living to be and, and what they found when they came here. And the reality is they're not alone in that. Right now, everyone is sort of grappling with increased cost of living. Um, and so I think that's something that we need to be aware of. But I think it's the, the students we surveyed, which is about 180 students, uh, international students making use of food banks um, at universities, they also noted a lot of barriers to employment and to housing that they weren't really expecting. Like what? And so that, well, it was difficult for them to find, first of all, an affordable apartment, but even any apartment, um, you know, not having uh, Canadian previous rental experience, right. not having Canadian credit, mm-hmm. um, you know, landlords can can look unfavorably at that. In terms of employment, the same things apply where they didn't have Canadian experience. Uh, they didn't have references in Canada. So it was hard for them to secure uh, employment as well. And a lot of them really rely on employment to help with their, their monthly living expenses. Yeah, which begs the question, what are the universities doing? Um, you know, I would think, you know, they get a lot of money. Uh, international students pay a pretty penny for education. And so there, I think, has to be or is some expectation that there will be housing available um, and or uh, they, they'll have supports, I guess, in place. 
uh, mm-hmm. to be able to get jobs because the, the, the government did change the rules where they allow international students to work now to make extra money. But again, mm-hmm. where are the universities in all of this? Well, the interesting thing I learned through interviewing um, a president of a public college here in Toronto was that domestic student tuition has been capped in Ontario and the government uh, proportion of their funding that they received has been frozen for almost 10 years. Ontario has the lowest per capita domestic student funding of any province. So universities to balance their budgets are looking, okay, where can we bring in revenue? And so they're turning to international students. Mm -hmm. And it's not a tenable situation for anyone because on the university side, you know, that's in an ideal world, they wouldn't have to use international students to subsidize domestic students. They would have government funding to make their their finances kind of a balanced uh, a balanced budget. And then on the international student side, you know, these are individuals who are being invited into Canada. They are receiving visas and admissions from from colleges and universities. And when they're showing up, they're finding, wait a minute, the structures and supports I was hoping would be here aren't here. So I do think universities have a bigger obligation to make sure that if they are inviting international international students in, that they can afford the food that they need, that they have access to on-campus supports in terms of housing and employment search supports, as well as even, you know, um, potentially meal subsidies or, or things like that. Um, but at the same time, government also has a, a real obligation to adequately fund our, our public institutions like universities and colleges. Yeah, I mean, well, the fact is the immigration minister is now a housing minister. So he was, he should have known about all of these uh, challenges coming at him, but uh, doesn't. Um, we make, I think the universities make a lot of money off of international students. I'm not so sure there'll be a much of an appetite to now, to now subsidize international students. I think if um, these universities are simply doing their job and making sure their expectations are measured, I mean, it's not going to take long, Talia, before word gets out. Um, you know, you can go to Canada, but it's not worth it because you're going to be broke mm-hmm. and living in a tent or not being able to eat. It won't take long for that. It's something that we really, I guess, rely on for our universities to survive. It'll just disappear. And we do rely on immigration yeah even beyond our universities, because, yeah. you know, the, the folks we're bringing in as international students, they have a pathway to permanent residency. And these are people who are well-educated. Uh, they are people who are going to be contributing to our economy. And we need labor. I mean, immigration yeah. enriches our communities in a number of ways. But just in terms of, you know, if we're going to be very kind of crude about it, we have an aging population mm-hmm. and we're not growing as a population. We need to bring in people in order to keep our economy growing. And so I think we have to be very careful when we turn to kind of blame people who have come here as immigrants, because, you know, as much as um, they're benefiting from from the environment of, of living in Canada, we're also really benefiting from them being in our country as well. No question. Um, just quickly before I let you go, Tally, what is the current situation with the food banks? I mean, we've talked a lot with the food banks about some of the challenges. Um, is there any more of a cohesion, uh, a plan with the governments, all levels of governments to kind of get a plan? Because I, it, those numbers aren't sustainable that you're talking about. Yeah, I wish I had better news to report there. But unfortunately, no, we have not seen movement really at any level of government in terms of saying, OK, you know what, we're seeing a food insecurity crisis and we need to step up. Mm. Uh, we've been advocating for income supports, affordable housing and decent work. These are the three pillars that we think are going to solve uh, or re- at least reduce uh, food insecurity in our communities. 
And we might see incremental progress here and there. But what we really need is for all levels of government to step up and take that bold leadership to say enough is enough. We don't want to see hunger in our communities. And we have not gotten there yet. And we also haven't hit the hardest part of this economic challenge. That's that's the worry thing. Worrisome thing is that we haven't yet seen uh, the real tough times. And uh, if these guys aren't proactive. Um, yeah. You know, and unemployment yeah. rates are are low right now. You know, we're doing well yeah. economically, but we're still seeing more and more people who even are employed mm-hmm. coming to the food bank because of that rapidly increasing cost of living. So I think you're right. We're we're not quite at our lowest low yet. Um, and there's just so much we can do to, yeah. to make a change. So I hope anybody who's listening will reach out to their elected representatives and tell them you want bolder action. That we have to do something like that, Talia, is uh, is everything wrong. It just shouldn't have to be asked at this point because we've done the asking. So I guess we just have to shame them into it. All right. I very much appreciate your time on it. It's an interesting study. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. That's Talia Bronstein with uh, the Daily Bread Food Bank. Again, you know, the Daily Bread Food Bank and all the food banks have been asking for months. They need a plan. They've been putting this like two years, three years. They've been saying, look, we, we don't have the resources to sustain these huge numbers. And so to, to, to hear like no one's bothering to get ahead of this, it's just, it's typical is what it is. It's typical.